Okay, so with that, we're in our uh, continuing study of Ephesians, and we have uh, gotten through chapter 6, verse uh, 2, which is where we'll also be picking up today and and moving forward. I'm going to go ahead and read for you Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Hear now the word of the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. Not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will render service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters do the same things to them and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Amen. Okay, so, just want to um, briefly review the things that we touched on last week. And, of course, you you realize we're in the section starting in Ephesians 6, verse 1. And Paul uh, turns his directive from the marriage and from the role of the husband and the role of the wife to the role of children. And last week, as we were discussing this, we made the point that the directive for children to obey their parents is really more of a directive to parents than it is to children. Do you remember that? Can somebody tell me why that is? Why is that? Harold? Parents' responsibility to see that the kids do what they're supposed to do. Okay. It's, a, it's the parents' responsibility to, to see to it that the kids do what they're supposed to do. Right? How will a child obey his parents unless he's taught to obey? Right? Because folly is naturally bound up in the heart of a child, right? So if the child goes his natural way, which way is he going to go? He's going to go the way of foolishness. He's going to go the way of folly. He's going to go the way of disobedience. Even when we're teaching our children obedience and we have obedience held up as a standard in the home, do not the children constantly push us to the limit? Of our, of, of our enforcement of that obedience. Do they not constantly challenge the authority that we set before them? They do. Why is that? Because they're a sinner by nature. By nature, they rebel against authority. That is the nature of mankind. He is in rebellion against God. Amen? And it's no different for your kid as for any other kid. We're all born into this world little baby sinners. And if we do what we do naturally, it will be sin. That's what we do by nature. And that's why it's imperative that a parent have to teach their child how to obey. And, uh, of course, we're going to talk about that at great length. So, it's the parent's responsibility then to see to it that the children obey. And isn't that obvious? Isn't it quite obvious that... A child left to himself is going to go his own way. 
the Proverbs says, will bring dishonor to his mother? Obviously. Okay, then also we talked about the fact that the child's obedience is not only for his own good or her own good, but also for the good of the parents, for the good of the family, and for the good of society. You remember that? We talked about the fact that when the child obeys and there's order in the home, then that brings great peace to the rest of the people in the home, doesn't it? And then when a child uh, learns obedience and submission to authority, he can then also become a well-ordered citizen in the culture, in the society. So that if you have a society full of people who know how to submit and obey authority, what you should have, if you have established authority in that society, you should have a well-ordered society. You should have a well-ordered culture. But you see, all of that begins in the home. If you raise your child to be a murderer and a rebel, what do you suppose he will be when he grows up? A murderer and a rebel. And how will that affect the rest of society? Well, people will will needlessly lose their lives. And people will needlessly have their property stolen from them and taken from them when, when somebody else just wants it. And all of a sudden we have chaos in the culture. Why? Because in the home, we're raising a bunch of thieves and rebels and murderers. Right? So we talked about that at length, and you you see that the child's obedience affects more than just the child. This isn't just about the child. This is about the family. This is about the parents. This is about the society that we live in. So then also, we talked about the fact that the command in Scripture to honor the father and mother is severely important to God. Do you remember that? By what means did we see last week that the command to honor the father and mother was severely important to God? Somebody? Sophia? In the Old Testament, if children were not honoring their parents, they could be um, stoned. Okay. Okay. So that the dishonoring and the disobeying of parents in the theocratic society that God had established was so severe that the child could actually be put to death for such an offense. Right? And so we made the point that there's a lesson for us to learn in that. Surely in this day, we don't take the child out to the edge of the city and stone them. But it shows us of the severity and the importance of God's command to the children to honor the father and the mother. It is showing us that it is extremely important. And that when a child violates that honor, okay, that that is an extremely severe violation. And so this, this should t- speak to us about the priority and the importance of asserting and enforcing the honor in our home from our children. Nicole? We're not necessarily taking in the streets to go death, but we are putting you to death by not teaching you because you're going to go out, you're going to sin, and you know, by percent is death. So in a sense, we are putting them to death by not teaching you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and, and that's exactly the scripture that we looked at out of the Proverbs, which is Proverbs 19:18, which says that. Discipline your son while there is hope, and do not desire his death. Recall that? 
And we talked about that, and we said that a child left to himself is going to go the way of sin, which ultimately is going to, to bring what kind of eternal consequence to him? Death, separation and, uh, from God, and judgment from God. Amen? So that ultimately, when you teach a child to obey and submit himself to authority, you're ultimately teaching him to obey and submit himself to God's authority. You remember that discussion? Okay, so that's, uh, if you will, some review from last week. And uh, I want to pick up there. We're going to be on page 55, starting here right now. Before I do that, I keep forgetting to make recommendations about these books. So I'm going to do that. Um, The first one is a book by John MacArthur. It's called Successful Christian Parenting. Successful Christian Parenting. This is a really good book. It's a general overview of parenting. lays down a lot of really good principles. And uh, there's some teaching also right out of the book of Ephesians chapter 6 here in this book. And uh, I, I want to recommend it to you. Then also, <clears throat> another one is a book by Jay Adams. It's called Christian Living in the Home. Christian Living in the Home. This is a fabulous book. Every parent should read this book. Um, I don't know what else to say, but you know you need to be equipped. And there's, there's a lot to learn. And God has faithful teachers in the church who are teaching us if we're listening. Here's one of them, Jay Adams. Christian Living in the Home. Then here's another one written by Lou Priolo, and it's called Teach Them Diligently, and it's got a subtitle, How to Use the Scriptures in Child Training. Okay? How to Use the Scriptures in, in Child Training. And if you will, this, this is a biblical exegesis of several different biblical texts talking about our duty as parents to teach our children the commandments of God. And uh, this is a fabulous book. Every Christian parent ought to read this book. Teach them diligently. Lou Priolo. This is also the same guy that wrote the book, uh, The Complete Husband. Okay? The Complete Husband. All right? Then here's another one by J.C. Ryle. Sophia brought this in this morning. The Duties of Parents. Okay? I don't know if you've ever read J.C. Ryle, but he's really, really good. Right to the point, very direct, very wise pastor who uh, has lots of little booklets like this. He doesn't need much space to make some real profound points. Um, If somebody would like a copy of this, Gene No, who's back on the back row there, also brought an extra one whom he is willing to disperse to a young parent in need of wisdom. So, uh, uh, and if you if you want to get some more, um, just holler and we'll make sure we get one in your hands. Okay, J. C. Ryle, The Duties of Parents. Okay, this is written in the 1800s, by the way. Okay, been meaning to do that for three weeks. <laughs> Keep forgetting. Okay, so then, uh, picking up there on page 55, and we're looking at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2, which says, Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. And I want to ask this question. By what means, if a child naturally goes the way of death, if a child is by nature an object of God's wrath, 
And the commandment then to the child is to honor the father and the mother. And we've said that then the directive really is to the parents. Because unless the parents teach the child to honor their father and mother, the child will not learn that, right? And so we said that really these commandments, children obey your parents and honor your father and mother, are really directives to parents more than they are to children, even though they are spoken directly to children. So uh, they are a directive both to the parent and to the child, okay? So having said those things, then consider this. By what means do we cause and teach them to honor us? We as Christian parents, by what means do we cause and teach our children to honor us? Okay, and so I have three, three points here. Uh, the first would be by means of gracious love and care for them. Now, how are we going to endear the honor of our children? Here's one way. We're going to love them very graciously. Why? Because they're our kids. Because they're the fruit of our loins. Right? They're the blessing from God which He has given to us and entrusted to us. Right? And so we're going to very graciously love them. Which means what? What does it mean? Gracious. Somebody tell me, what does gracious mean? Okay, undeserving, unmerited. The child gets our love not because they've earned it. They get our love because we're loving. Amen? So... It's a gracious love. It's a love that is given in spite of its worthiness. Amen? Very much like the love and the grace of God. God's love is a gracious love, is it not? Why? Because we don't deserve it. On the contrary, we deserve what? Wrath. Amen? Same it is with parents and children. How do we endear the honor of our children? We graciously love them. And we graciously care for them and meet all of their needs. Amen? A parent's kind and patient love affords a child reverence and honor for the parent. Amen? Romans 2, 4 and 5 speaks about God in this way. It says, Or do you think lightly of the riches of His kindness? and forbearance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. Do you suppose if it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, that it might be the kindness of a parent that leads a child to repentance? Do you see then how as a parent we can mimic God? We can be an imitator of God as Ephesians 5.1 called us to? And how that would be a ready instrument in bringing our children to honor us. You with me? Kindness. Forbearance. Patience. God is kind to us. He's forbearing with us. He's patient with us. And that leads us to repentance. Amen? This is a gracious love from God. And this is how we need to parent our children with a gracious love. Amen? And with gracious care. Think how when we sin against God, God yet gives us another breath. God yet feeds us another day. That's forbearance. That's grace. That's an example of 
uh, godly love to us as parents. Amen? How about Proverbs 31.26? Here's the Proverbs 31 woman. And what does she do? She opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Amen? The Proverbs 31 woman, that virtuous, wise woman, what is she like? The teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Moms, here's how you speak to your children. With kindness. Not only just speaking kindly, but teaching them to be kind. Amen? The virtuous woman, the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Okay then, by what means shall we cause them to honor us and teach them to honor us? By means of instruction and training. How will we endear the honor of our children? We will instruct them that they are to honor us. We will train them that they are to honor us. We will cause them to work at it. We will continually bring it before them. We will teach them. We will instruct them. Children must be trained to honor authority. Right? Because naturally they do what? They rebel. Amen? They will not learn unless they are continually encouraged by teaching and correction. And so the Scripture says, 2 Timothy 3.16, All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for what? For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. How are we going to instruct the children to honor us? With Scripture. With Scripture. Amen? We're going to call the highest authority in heaven and in earth to account that they must give account to God for their honor to their parents. Why? Because the commandment originated with Him. It is the fifth. Honor your father and your mother. Amen? These are the words of God. He is the highest authority. This we must teach our children. That they must honor us parents because God has commanded it. Amen? Rosie? I think another important thing that the kids will learn from is by your example, what they see you modeling, and the way that hopefully you treat your parents, the way they treat grandma and grandpa. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can teach and teach, but if you don't do it in your life, there's a great big gap there. Amen. Kids fall in that gap. And Amen. How do you talk to your neighbor? How do you talk to your husband? You know, what is your tone all the time? And Amen. then when you teach the word of God, it's got some credibility to it. Amen. Uh, well, I would affirm that entirely and, and want to affirm it again and intend to again and again that your words are nothing but words. If there's no substance of life behind them. Amen? What will you teach a child if you tell them to speak kindly but you constantly speak harshly? I'll tell you what you'll teach a child. Anger. You will implant anger in their heart in that manner. And that's why the Scripture says, Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. They'd be utterly frustrated. You command them to do something you're not willing to do. You put anger in their hearts that way. 
How will we cause and teach our children to honor us? By means of reproof and correction? By discipline. By discipline. How will we cause the children to honor us? We will discipline them. We will discipline them. We will reprove them. We will correct them. That's how. So, I want to make sure in this context what we mean by discipline. And so I wrote it on the board here. And you can look this up in the American Dictionary. This is similar to what you'll find in one of the definitions. Of course, you understand, you look up the definition of a word, it may have two or three or four different kinds of definitions. But in this context of reproving and disciplining a child to honor us, this is what we mean. Discipline is control obtained by enforcing compliance or order. Control obtained by enforcing compliance. Okay? So, when the child does not honor you, what should you do? You should correct them verbally. You should say, that's wrong, Johnny. That's not how you treat your your mom. Why? Because God has commanded you to honor your mom. Okay? And then Johnny comes back a little later and he's disrespectful to mom again. Now what are you going to do? Now you're going to enforce that compliance. Why? Because he's not willing to do it with his free choice. Right? So what do you need to do? You need to do whatever it takes to enforce that child to comply. Right? So you may find a nice, easy means to make that happen, which is not so unpleasant. And it may work with some kids. Right? And with some kids, you may find it to be a very unpleasant and very difficult thing to cause them to comply. Okay, But you must enforce honor in your home because your children are going to constantly challenge it. Amen? Harold? When do you start this? Well, I think Scott said it best uh, last week. You want to repeat that, Scott? They're born with lying and sin in their hearts. So you start very, very early. As soon as they start to rebel, you start to reprove Mm-hmm. As soon as they start to rebel, you start to reprove. So, uh, I mean, you know, I mean, that may be when a child is, is very, very young. I mean, under a year old. Right? Somehow you need to begin to teach the child the concept, the principle of submitting to authority. And, and so as young as they begin to challenge that, that's when you need to correct them. And according to their age and their ability to understand and their wisdom, you need to bring that compliance. Amen? You need to be wise about it. And we're, we're going to talk some more about that at great length here in a few minutes. So, are you going to ask another comment? Yeah. My, the way I look at it, the day they come into this world, then that's when the instructions start. No matter how minor they are, mm-hmm. how, how you take care of them. Just for an example, uh, when a child has been loved and fed, and they're not sick or not pin stuck in them and they've just been taken care of and put to bed for their nap. <clears throat> they go in and cry. And mothers want to go pick them up. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with them. I, I think you should leave, close the door and let them have at it. And it will take care of itself right away. Mm-hmm. You don't make that profitable for them. Pardon me? You don't make their crying profitable for them. That, exactly. No so that's my point exactly. Right. Well, I'll leave the details up to you guys. And I'm not going to dig myself in that hole. 
Although, uh, although other te- Bible teachers are willing to do that, I'm, what I'm getting at is the principle of the matter, right? Go ahead. What I'm saying is that I see a lot of parents wait until the kids are two or three years old, maybe five, before they try to start this mm-hmm. process, and you've already lost the battle, mm-hmm. a big share of it. I, I would agree with that entirely, Harold, and I, I want to I say, when I hear Scott saying you need to start early, and I just mentioned that as soon as the child begins to rebel against authority, he needs to be corrected, period. So whenever he begins to manifest that, whether you think that's five months old and he's screaming and crying just because he wants to be cuddled or whatever, you know, some, some parents may perceive that need as, as uh, uh, just a, a need to be uh, cared for and, and nurtured and so on and so forth. But like I said, I'm going to leave the details to you. But when it's obvious that the child is rebelling against the authority, when it's obvious that the child is transgressing uh, that which he understands clearly he should not be doing, that's when he needs to be corrected. And, and so that is very early. <laughs> I don't know how early that is in your house, but in my house that was definitely before they were one year old. Right? And then again, like I said, you need to be careful. You need to be wise how you do that. Right? You don't want to be harsh with a little tiny baby. Right? You want, you want to be wise in the way that you implement that. With what? With gracious love. With gracious care. Right? In wisdom, you want to accomplish these things. So, <clears throat> I don't want you to hear me say something I'm not saying. But, the, the basic idea, when a child knows what's right and doesn't do it, he needs to be corrected. He needs to be reproved. She needs to be corrected. She needs to be reproved. Okay? And she may need to be disciplined. She may need you to enforce that compliance. All right? Uh, as a matter of fact, she will need you to enforce that compliance at some point, right? And um, so that's something you have to do. You have to assert your authority. Remember when we were talking about Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, we said that the idea that children are to obey their parents implies a whole lot of things, doesn't it? But the first thing it implies is, is that the, the parents are going to give directives and the children are going to have to obey them, right? And so the, the parent has to assert those directives. The parent has to assert that authority, okay? I think Christian parents fail a lot because they're either too lazy or unwilling for some reason to assert their authority. They need to assert that authority. And, then, and once they've made the decision to assert it, they've got to be willing to follow through and enforce it, Okay? So, how are you going to teach your kids to honor you? You're going to assert your authority. You're going to graciously uh, care for them and love them. You're going to constantly teach them to honor you by means of instruction. And when they don't honor you, you're going to reprove them and discipline them for it. Okay? Proverbs 15.31 puts it this way. He whose ear listens to the life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. He who neglects discipline despises himself, but he who listens to reproof acquires understanding. Okay? How do you suppose your kid's going to learn to be a wise kid? How are they going to learn wisdom if you don't teach them to to, uh, respond to correction? How about this? Your, Your goal is not just to correct their behavior. How about this? Why don't you teach your child to love correction? 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry? I would love to know how. Okay. Well, consider consider Proverbs 12.1. This is one that I use with my kids. And I want you to know, I have been praying about this with my kids for a long time. And this last week, I got a tremendous encouragement when one of my children turned to the other one and quoted... Uh, 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 a uh, paraphrase of Proverbs 12.1 and, and said something along these lines to the other child. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. <laughs> and it wasn't quite right because it was kind of a little jab. But, <laughs> but the idea was, was that it, it, what, what rejoiced my heart was that that principle was fixed in the mind of that other child. And it was this, because I was correcting one of my children, and they were um, not receiving it too well. And so the other one kind of jabbed at him and said, whoever hates correction is stupid. And, and uh, so here's the deal, though. I've been trying to teach my kids to learn how to love to be corrected. Okay, that's not something I constantly work on. I probably would do better if I did it a little more often than I do. Okay, but let me tell you, it's it's one thing if you can get the child to comply. It's another thing entirely if the child loves to comply. You with me? So you really want to be working on the heart. When you're doing your instruction and your training with the child, you really want to be working on the heart. You're not, the goal isn't just to get them to, to, to line up to the law, right? The goal is with sincerity of heart. They love to do what is good and righteous. Amen? Harold? And I think if we, uh, as parents, properly train our kids like you're talking about, mm-hmm. they will respect you and they won't want to be caught in a disagreement with you. Amen. Basically, I think they like to please our, their parents. Mm-hmm. Amen. But it has to be taught. Amen. It has to be taught, and you have you have got to establish that authority in your house. So when you catch catch them doing something, it, some kids it really hurts them to think I disappointed my parents mm-hmm. for doing this. Mm-hmm. If if we do our job, that's where I see it. Amen. I I couldn't agree with you more. Now you know I want to remind you of something at this point that. You know, we give all this instruction and we're looking at the scripture and there's a high and holy standard and we're looking at our kids and our family and we're thinking, I'm never going to get there. Right? Well, remember that these principles are proverbial. You guys remember that discussion last week? Somebody explain to me what we mean by these, these, uh, these directives are proverbial. They're, all right, they're general in nature. In other words, generally speaking, if you try to instruct and train and teach your children to love correction, right, they'll probably learn to love correction. Okay, it's not a specifically a guaranteed promise. It's a proverb. It's proverbial. It's moving them in the general direction. Carlos? Uh, MacArthur says uh, Proverbs affirms the principles. Okay. It should affirm the principles. Amen. So they're principles, right? They're not absolute, specific promises from God, right? Just because you train up a child in the way he goes doesn't mean he is absolutely going to do it. But generally speaking, if you train up a child in the way he should go, when he's old, he won't depart. 
Amen? Right. And I want to tell you that I, I, I frequently hear Christians say this kind of thing. That, um, like for instance, there's a verse where Jesus says, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. And I hear Christians say this all the time. Well, we're never going to be perfect in response to that command. And I'm thinking, why would you even think like that? If the Lord Jesus commands you to be perfect, is the first thing that's going to come out of your mouth is, well, I can't get there. You with me? Why, why is that, why is that the, the, what's in our heart? Why isn't rather what's in our heart, Lord, I want to be perfect, Lord. Lord, I want to have your kind of love and your kind of kindness and your kind of patience. And I, Lord, I want to have your virtues. Help me, God, to be perfect. You with me, uh, Carlos? I think some of the problem with that perfect word mm-hmm. that means complete. Mm-hmm. And God wants you to be complete. Mm-hmm. And when we hear the word, when I first heard the word perfect, mm-hmm. I said, wow, I can't even breathe. I can't even make a move to the right or the left. Mm-hmm. And that's not what I believe God's asking. He wants us to be complete in Jesus Christ. And then that's what we strive for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I would disagree. I, I think that the command is to be perfect. And, uh, but, but that's okay. I don't, I don't want to get off track and start talking about Matthew 5. But I think the principle is that when we get these commandments from Scripture that call us to train and teach our children in a certain way, they're principles that God has laid out. Generally speaking, that when we employ these things, we're going to get the, respo- the desired response from them. Okay, And that's why as parents, we've got to continually strive to, to accomplish these things. And we've got to keep the standard ever before us so that we know and understand how the, to accomplish this difficult task of causing our children to obey us and causing our children to honor us. Okay? And uh, so it's, it's really important that we, we deal with the heart when we're teaching them. And we teach them to, to love to be corrected. We teach them to love what is good and right and holy. How do we do that? Well, we, it's the way we speak to them about it. You know, how do you speak to your kids about God's Word? Is it endearing? Do, do, you, do, you just, do, you, do, you, do you ever explain to your kids how much you love the Word of God because of the way that it, it, it cleanses you and washes you and corrects you and puts you on the right path and strengthens you? And, you, know, you, you need to impart that love for the Word of God to the kids. Right? And, and when they begin to love the Word of God and the principles in the Word of God, and they begin to love what is righteous and good and holy, they're also going to learn to love your instruction. And they're going to learn to love wisdom. Okay, I'm going to talk to you some more about that. About how it's important that we teach them to pursue wisdom. Okay? But also here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2, Paul uh, ends by saying, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Here the apostle points out that God has promised prosperity to those who will hear this commandment. This commandment has special privileges enjoined to it by the providence of God. You see what he's saying? He says, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. He's saying that commandment has a promise. In other words, if you do it, 
there is this promise attached to it. Okay? And so, immediately, what Paul begins to say is, look, God is involved in, 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 uh, in judgment over this commandment. And he begins to say that if you obey it, God has a promise for you, right? And then he repeats the promise in chapter 6, verse 3. And he goes on and he says, That it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Okay? So then he repeats what the promise is. Now, think about what Paul is saying here. He's telling the kids, Honor your father and your mother, because this is the first commandment with a promise. And he says that that promise is that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Now, think about the things that are implied by that. Right? Think about the things that are implied by that. Here, the apostle repeats the promise referred to in verse 2. He speaks of the fact that God is providentially involved in their lives, either rewarding or disciplining for obedience. Okay? All of a sudden, Paul brings God's providence to bear upon this commandment. Do you see that? Because he's saying, if you do this commandment, God will give you this promise. And all of a sudden, the providence of God is brought to bear upon that child's obedience to honor his father and his mother. And in, in this case, it's in the form of a promise. God sees to it that we are blessed for obedience and cursed for disobedience. This is an imperative lesson for parents to teach their children. Okay? Did you hear that? God sees to it that we are blessed for obedience and cursed for disobedience. This is an imperative lesson for parents to teach their children. What lesson? The lesson of God's providence. It is imperative for us as parents to teach our kids that God is providential. That He's the one who's on the throne in heaven and He's ruling over the affairs of men. And He is the one who is the avenger of sin and He is the one who is the rewarder of those who do good. Okay? And those who seek Him. He rewards them. He is providential. And this is what Paul is saying. This commandment comes with a promise from God. A promise of blessing. Amen? And so, it's imperative that we as parents see in this our responsibility to teach those kids that God is actively involved in either blessing them or disciplining them based on how they obey. Because, after all, isn't that the truth? Isn't God going to see to it that they're blessed if they honor His commandments? Yes? Isn't God going to see to it that they're miserable and struggling and poor and blind and naked if they spurn His commandments? Isn't God going to see to it? You better believe He is. You better believe He is. Proverbs 12, 2 and 3 says, A good man will obtain favor from the Lord, but he will condemn a man who devises evil. A man will not be established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous will not be moved. You see that? You see that right in the Scriptures? What does it say? A wicked man God will condemn, 
but a righteous man will obtain favor from the Lord. Amen? That's a general principle that your kids need to know. And they're only going to learn it if you explain it to them from the Scriptures again and again and again and again and again. Amen? They're not going to learn it by osmosis. And they're not going to learn it once a week in Sunday school. Okay? They have to learn that as they see that thing lived out in your home and as you as a parent set and instruct them and show them how that's true. Okay? And explain to them, maybe you're under discipline from God and it's become apparent to you. Right? Perfect opportunity to teach your kids. Guys, we made some mistakes here and it's rather obvious that we're under the heavy hand of the Lord. And so God has called me to repentance in this way. Right? You with me? You explain to them in the, in the melu of life how these things are coming to pass. What things? The providence of God in your life, in your family, in your home, at your job, in your country, with tsunamis. Right? Listen, the plates shifted under Sumatra and the wave came. Who shifted the plates? God. God shifted the plates. How do you know that? Because in His hand is the life and breath of every creature. And God is the one who has numbered men's days. God is the one who is in control of life. Devil never takes a single life. It is the Lord who gives and the Lord who takes away. Amen? Amen. And so, you know, the kids are sitting around the, the TV and they're watching uh, the destruction after the hurricane. What, what lesson do you teach? Right? How about, repent ye therefore, or ye will all likewise perish. When you see the mighty hand of God come and, and judge a people, judge a nation, what should you do? Fear. Fear. And do what? Find a refuge under the blood of the Lamb. Amen? Little blood on the doorpost. Why? To keep the angel of death away. Amen? You with me? You got to teach them. They're not going to learn by osmosis. Okay? You got to teach them. We'll talk about that some more. How about Proverbs 13, 18? There it says. Poverty and shame will come to him who neglects discipline. But he who regards reproof will be honored. You see that? Listen, teach your kids that if they'll learn to you and they'll respond to your correction and your discipline, that it'll go well with them in their life. And teach them that God is in heaven and he is caring for them in this very same way. He's either blessing them or disciplining them for, for their wickedness or their righteousness. Okay? Something to teach them. How about this? Proper parental training affords the child great blessing in life. It yields a harvest of righteousness. Parental training is the chief means God uses to bless our children. Okay? How many of you want your kids to be blessed? Boy, get a lot of hands on that one. Right? You want your kids to be blessed? 
Teach them how to be blessed. Teach them how to be blessed. Because although God is the one who blesses, listen, they are the one who incurs the blessing of God in their own life by their free choice, which God has given. Understand? I'm not denying the sovereignty of God and salvation. What I'm telling you is to teach your children the general rule that if they do what is right, they'll find favor from the Lord. If they do what is wicked, they can expect His judgment. Amen? Because that's exactly what's going to happen. So, therefore, they have a responsibility to do what is right and to make the right choice and do the right thing. Amen? You've got to teach them that. They've got to learn this. And, and uh, that parental training is going to afford them that blessing. If those kids learn how to do the right thing, and they learn that God is providential in blessing them, and they begin to love righteousness and pursue it, what do you suppose is going to be the outcome of their life? They're going to be blessed. Amen? They're going to find favor from God, which is where it comes from. Okay? Which is where it comes from. Hebrews 12.11 puts it this way. It says, All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterward it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Okay? Listen. You need to assert and enforce your authority in the home. And you need to cause and teach your children to honor you. Why? So that it may go well with them. And they may receive prosperity from God. They'll be blessed. They will. That's the means by which it happens. It's the chief means that God uses to bless our kids. He teaches them to do what is right, and then they will find favor from the Lord. Amen? Okie doke. So then, he says here, that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. What is meant by, that it may be well with you? Well, that you may prosper in life and be blessed, right? That it's going to be well. Things are going to go good. Things are going to go well. How? If you honor your father and your mother. That's what's going to make things go good. Why? Because God is providential. And He's going to see to it that you're blessed. If you honor your father and your mother, God is going to see to it that it goes well with you, right? It is also implied that if there is disobedience, things will not be well with you and you will not live long. Would you agree? Of course. We don't have to look too far in Scripture to find that principle clearly laid out. Amen? So, listen, we've got to teach in these things. About Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20. Here's a tremendous Scripture for you to teach your kids. Right? I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying His voice, and by holding fast to Him, for this is your life and the length of your days. Amen? You see that? You've got to teach Him that. 
You've got to sit those kids down and you've got to teach them that they have got to obey the Lord their God and love the Lord their God and hold fast to Him because this is your life and the length of your days. You want to live long? You want to be happy? You've got to love God. Amen? Parents, that's our responsibility. What do you suppose is going to happen with your kids if all their live-long days you teach them to love God? Well, there's a pretty good chance they're going to grow up loving God. Would you agree? Amen? Amen? Amen. Got to teach them. How are you going to teach them? Who was telling us by example? Somebody over here. Rosie was saying, Hey, man, you can't just say it. You got to do it. So if you want to teach your kids how to love God, what do you got to do? You got to love God. Right? Amen? There's nothing more important than life. There's nothing more important in life than loving God. Teach him over and over and over. Teach him over and over and over, continually, constantly. This again is another principle in Scripture. This continual teaching. I'm going to show you that also here uh, in Ephesians 6 4. In Ephesians 6 4. Here's what Paul says. He says, and fathers. And now he turns his directives from the children specifically to the fathers. Okay? And now Paul's going to give a commandment to the fathers. And he says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Okay? Now, remember this. Okay? This is one of those places in Scripture where you cannot fully understand what's being said right here unless you understand what it's referring to in the Scripture. So when Paul says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, he's assuming that these Ephesian fathers know what he's talking about. You with me? Because if you don't know what the discipline of the Lord is, then you don't know what to employ here. And if you don't know what the instruction of the Lord is, then you don't know what to employ here. Right? So somehow you've got to learn what is the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Amen? And I want to, I want to point you to that. But, but first, look what Paul says. He says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Here the apostle turns his attention to the fathers. Now his directives give the fathers instruction in parenting, dealing with their relationship with their children. Further, and I want you to hear what I'm saying here. This, even like that directive to the children, was as much a directive to the parent. Hear what I'm telling you. This directive to the fathers is as much a directive to the mothers. Okay? I want to show you that. How do you, where do you come up with that, Sean? Well, how about common sense? About you, Anybody know what common sense is? There's still some common sense in the world. So, Paul's giving instruction on how the fathers deal in their relationship with their children. Further, it should be noted that these directives also apply to the wife. For her role is to be a suitable helper. Right? Wife, why are you there? To help your husband. Right? To help him do what? Raise up them kids in the way they should go. Right? Which means that, naturally speaking, you're not going to provoke your kids to anger either. Right? 
You with me? So, it's not just the father who's getting the commandment here. It's the mother as well. And don't just think because he's speaking specifically to fathers that that doesn't imply all that's in the father's house should not provoke those kids to anger. Okay? Including older siblings. Don't you think it would be wise for the wise father to keep the older siblings from provoking the younger siblings to anger? Yeah? Right, so you, you get what I'm saying? There's a lot that's implied in these verses, and we, we need to stop and meditate on what God is saying and draw out from them how these things apply to our life. Okay? Charlotte? Well, all these things seem very common sense, but what I have a problem with is, you know, after the millionth time that you've done it, and, and it says, you know, try to be kind and all that don't provoke them to anger and, it's, and your own frustration mm-hmm. gets to the point where your mind is not anymore on scriptures and the man on the moon it's mm-hmm. just on getting that child to obey mm-hmm. and it's very difficult from my perspective to be kind and to mm-hmm. not be angry and, and I think that that's probably you know when, when God gets to these things when our discipline of our children is as much our own self-discipline teaching ourselves mm-hmm. as it is trying to teach our children I agree these things are very difficult to accomplish because you're a sinner too, and so am I, right? And we have to struggle against the world and the flesh and the devil just to be a good parent. <laughs> and this is where we right? call out to, and cry out to the Lord. Yes, it is. This is. These are all principles where God is showing us our need for Him. And... You know, we say we can say all we want. We can never get there. Mm-hmm. But that's why he gives us these principles so that we Amen. can we can find our strength in the Lord. Amen. I I was going to fix it, Charlotte, when you were saying all that, and I thought, well, <laughs> but my fix it was faith and dependence on God. Because you can't do this in your own strength. And that's how we started the whole lesson in Ephesians 6.1. That these are supernatural commandments. Just like wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as to the Lord. You can't do that without the strength that God provides. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. You can't do that without the supernatural strength of the Holy Spirit living inside you. Right? Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You can't possibly accomplish that apart from the divine enablement of God that comes to you by faith. Amen? Daniel. Well, it's not to say that that we are not ever angry. Our problem is we unleash our anger in a selfish and wrong way. I mean, when my children show disrespect to my wife my anger burns mm-hmm. and and my problem is not that my anger is burning it's, it's, it's how I then express that anger to my children Amen. and if I do it in the right way it actually brings them to repentance very quickly because they they suddenly see the severity of their sin mm-hmm. and uh, on the other hand if I do it wrongly I am I'm just provoking them mm-hmm. but it's not to say that we're never angry Mm-hmm. Or that you know we're always sort of you know happy kind you know happy uh, coddling sort of way. Mm-hmm. There is a right way to be angry. Amen. Amen. Absolutely, and there is a righteous anger, right? Yeah. And and many times that that uh, striving with the children 
a mil- she said a million times, I want to say tomorrow's a new day and it'll be a million and one. <laughs> right? Because uh, those kids are going to keep pushing you, aren't they? Oh, I thought she meant right? a million times a day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? But, but uh, even, the, even that, you know, that, that striving all the way to the end, in a sense, is a righteous indignation that's in the heart. That's saying, when will this child learn to comply? Right? You with me? That's a good thing. That's a holy thing. That's a righteous thing for you, you to be kind of worn out on that. Right? But like Daniel is saying, you need to make sure that you manifest that properly. Right? That, that you, in your anger, do not sin. Right? Remember that? Back in, in Ephesians chapter 4? Scott? I just wanted to put a quick period on her point that we need to be crying out to God. Our children need to be witnessing that. Mm-hmm. When we pray with our children, that's the time we should be crying out to God for wisdom as we train up our children. Amen. They, they need to be hearing and watching our dependence on God. Amen. Amen. There is a... There is a uh, and, and not only an example, but we actually need to, to uh, verbally instruct them how to cry out to God, right? And, and especially in times of discipline. Isn't it a perfect time after you have disciplined your child? Maybe you've spanked your child, and your child is there crying, and I don't know about you, but when that kind of thing happened in my house, I would give it some time, and I would have the child sit there and contemplate what has happened, and then after quite a bit of time, I'd go back in when all the emotions have settled down, and I'd sit down and I'd discuss my love for the child. And, and at that time, I would, I would always bring God into the conversation. And I would talk about how it was imperative for that child to learn to do what is right so that they will know how to obey God. Because if they don't do what is right, God is going to discipline them just like Dad did. Only when God does it, it hurts worse. Right? So, that's a perfect time to get down on your knees with a child in the midst of that emotional situation. And, and to teach them how to cry out to God for strength to obey. For strength to do the right thing. What do you do when you're under the heavy hand of the Lord? Don't you cry out to God and say, Oh God, help me. I'm such a sinner. I keep sinning. I can't seem to find the strength in and of myself to do the right thing. God, please help me. Right? That's the cry of faith. That's the cry of, of dependence on God, amen? And that's a perfect time to teach those kids how to do that. Perfect time. Because I want to tell you, they can't do what's right apart from the divine enablement of God. Right? It's all about faith. It's all about dependence. Even as you depend on God for your next breath, you depend on God for good grace to help you be a righteous person and do a right thing. Amen? It's all about God. It's all about your relationship to God. And the reason why people are in the world and they're rebels and they're thieves and they're drunkards and they're murderers is because they don't have God. They don't know God. They don't walk with God. And so they do whatever's right in their own eyes. Amen? But if a man is a righteous man, a holy man, who does what is good and true and righteous, he only does that as he is attached to God and as he receives divine grace to live that out in his life. Amen? You going to comment? I was just going to share a word of encouragement. In, in our home, we kind of go through waves of difficult times, and um, we had recently gone through a wave um, with one of our children. And 
um, one night I just sat down on the bed and was talking and saying, you know, I know that things are really difficult and it's really hard and it seems like maybe we're unloving or everything and, you know, just telling how much we love him and stuff. And, um, and uh, it was to, to Harry and I a very, very much a Holy Spirit moment because he then said, he goes, I know, I know, you're, wor- you're doing all of this to conform me into the image of Christ. And, you know, we were just praising God that he got it for the moment and, and um, you know, that gives us hope that he's going to get it in the long run, you know, that this is why we're doing all of this. And to give you guys hope that, you know, these things don't happen all the time in our home or anything like that, but if we continue in diligence, we step out in faith, and as they get older, you're going to have that moment. At some point, they're going to know this, and they're going to love the discipline. They're going to... They're going to know that all of this is for good. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to knock off there. I, I want to point you to this little... I'm not going to teach through this. This thing that says, teach them diligently. I, I'm not going to teach through this. But what this is, is this is a little outline of the Shema, which uh, is basically Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Okay? And uh, if you will... In the mind of a Jewish person in the first century, this is something they knew by nature because this was ingrained in the Jewish home. Well, this is very much a part of our Judeo-Christian ethic. Okay? But many of us in today's culture really don't understand about this. And the idea is the diligent teaching of our family and the didactic nature of our family. And I'm going to go, to that, go through that in some detail next week, but I'm not going to be going through this. So I gave you this so that you could go home and read it and study it on your own. And I just wanted to mention that to you. So then next week we'll be looking at Ephesians 6, 4 and following. Uh, and with that we'll, we'll pray. God our Father, we are so thankful for your holy word. God, we thank you for your truth. We thank you, Lord, for your gracious love and care for us. God, we thank you for your reproof and your correction of ourselves. And, and Lord, we just pray that you would strengthen us as parents, God, to, to fulfill your holy commandment, Lord. Help us as parents, God, to, to cause and to teach our children to honor us and to honor you, God. Help us, God, as parents, to teach our children to love you, God. And Lord, may we love you. May you impart to us holy affections in our hearts, God. Oh, Lord, we, just, we thank you so much for all that you are to us. We thank you, Lord, that you do hear our prayer. And we thank you for uh, the divine insight that you give us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.